Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the book of Genesis. We've entitled the series Beginnings. And this morning's message is entitled God Remembered. God Remembered. So previously in the flood narrative, we learned from Corey last week that God called Noah to build an ark when he was 600 years old. And so the book of Genesis has slowed way down in chapter 6 through chapter 9. Those three chapters really just span one year of Noah's life, his 600th year. And we learned last week that God, in fact, brought the floodwaters and he saved one family, Noah and his family, and a pair of all of the animals in this ark. And so today we find ourselves... In this ark with Noah, can you feel it? Can you hear it? Can you smell it? And we find ourselves with Noah in the ark, and it's now been 150 days that Noah has been in the ark. The waters have totally destroyed everything on earth. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that the waters flooded the earth so that they are 23 feet above the highest mountain. I'm not sure what mountain that is, but I think that mountain is somewhere north of 23,000 feet, the highest mountain on earth. So imagine the floodwaters 23 feet over that highest mountain. So I want you to find yourself standing next to Noah on the deck of this ark. It's going to be a little different than the view I had from the deck of a cruise ship last fall, looking at the beautiful Mediterranean this one Greek island, I forget the name of it, but it's a gorgeous island, you know, this cliff going right down to the water. I'm standing here, the breeze is flowing through my hair, you know, very different from that. Noah is standing on the deck of the ark and he's looking at total destruction. Everything he knew is gone. The earth has almost been transformed back to the chaotic, watery place that it was before creation. Everybody's dead. Everything that has breath is gone. Obviously, the fish are still alive. But anything that had breath is gone. It's been 150 days. And in the midst of that 150 days, he's standing on the deck of the ark. The life as he knew it is gone, destroyed. And Noah's looking out. Imagine what that would feel like. And that brings us to Genesis 8.1. Read it with me. Genesis 8.1. But God remembered Noah. And not just Noah, for all you dog lovers. And all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. This verse is the turning point of the flood narrative. Next week, Corey will continue preaching the flood narrative. Don't you love it that I gave Corey 15 million verses to preach? And I just preach one verse today. That's why he's not here. He's protesting my sermon. He just said, I'm not coming to church today. Now he's in the children's ministry. But this verse is the turning point of the whole flood narrative because in the midst of this severe judgment, remember last week's sermon, the flood and faith, it's about God's severe judgment and God's severe mercy. Here, you see mercy. Everything's gone. But now the whole narrative turns because God remembered Noah And he brought a wind out, and the floodwaters subsided, day 150. What does it mean that God remembered 
Noah. It doesn't mean that he forgot Noah. That is not what it means. It doesn't mean like somehow, like the Babylonian gods in the fables that the Babylonians had about the gods, little g, bringing forth a flood and somehow the flood started moving on the earth and the gods freaked out and they didn't know what to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Nor does it mean that God is some sort of, you know, absent-minded deity with this long beard and he caused the flood and he had Noah built the ark and he somehow forgot Noah. Oh, oh, there he is, bobbing on the waters. No, that's not what it means. That is not what this word means. This word in the Hebrew is zakar, comes from the, the root word zakar. And that word has a range of meaning. They chose to translate it remembered here, but really... In this text, it has this meaning. God acted. God acted. And that's point one. God acts. See, God is the one who set in motion this severe judgment because mankind had been so wicked and he'd been so rebellious. And then God, in his severe judgment, demonstrated severe mercy. And the point here is that God acted on behalf of his covenant people, Noah and his family, According to his covenant promises, remember last week that that Corey mentioned to us that Noah was part of that righteous offspring of Eve. His father was Seth. And God's covenant promise to Eve, Adam and Eve at the fall was, I will bring a savior from your seed, from your offspring. And that savior will restore everything that has been lost through your rebellion. So God acted, God acts. That's what it means, God remembered. God acts on behalf of his people for their welfare. Do you believe that? Do do you believe that God acts in history for your welfare? First of all, do you believe God acts in history, period? Every election, every war, every wonderful invention of man is God's hand acting in history. I was just thinking about this with my own brother-in-law, Ted, who has dialysis three times a week. I was talking to my sister yesterday. Ted's not in good shape, and he's in the hospital again. And so he has to have dialysis three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, four hours. Do you know what happens in those four hours? Because his kidneys are failing. They totally exchange his blood. Jim, you would know this. You're studying to be a doctor. They, they have machines that run my brother-in-law's blood totally through, exchange it totally to clean it because his kidneys aren't working. That's God intervening. He's the primary cause. Sure, some brainiac figured it out. You know, some of you are studying to be brainiacs. Thank you. Us regular people, thank you. <laughs> but that's God intervening. But listen, God just doesn't intervene in history. He intervenes in your history. Do you believe that? We are believers, right? Sometimes we can live like we don't believe that. But he knows and intervenes in your history. That's the point here. As you're standing on the deck of the ark with Noah and you're wondering, what's next? Remember Corey told us that Noah was to build this ark, this battleship in the spiritual war with no GPS, no rudder, no navigational instruments at all, save God himself. So you're bobbing on the waters. You cannot control where you're going to go. But God can, and he does. For those of you who are wondering, am I going to get that job? For those of you who are wondering, why did my children get that job and now they're leaving? For those of you who would love to get accepted to that school, 
or pass that test or maybe that business venture in another country? Will it succeed? Would it fail? Does God know? Does he intervene? Does he act? Yes. Yes, he does. And that's what this text tells us. God acts on behalf of his people. When he remembers us, what it means is he acts on our behalf according to his covenant promises. Let's trace those promises. Let's trace this word remembered through the Old Testament just a bit. Because God calls us here in this text not only to remember the past, but to remember the future. So let's look at it. Look at 6.18. I believe that will be on the screen. Genesis 6.18. Corey preached it last week. There it is. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. God remembered that covenant promise, and he says, now I'm going to send my winds 150 days into it, and I'm going to, part the, I'm going to bring the waters to, to cause them to subside. We also know this from Genesis 9, verse 15. Genesis 9, 15, where God says to Noah, I will remember my covenant that is in between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. I love that. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. God's covenant promise to Noah is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's what we learned last week in the text that Corey preached. Even as the ark was what kept Noah safe from the floodwaters of God's wrath, so Jesus is the fulfillment of that ark. That ark points to Jesus, who is the greater ark, the one who keeps us safe from the floodwaters of God's wrath against sin. Dear non-Christian, this is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was born fully God and fully man of the virgin, that he lived a perfect life for us. But then he got on that cross, he obeyed his father, and he bore the wrath of God on the cross. And then he rose three days later, and his payment for our sins was accepted by the father. We have forgiveness. So on the cross, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. And in Christ Jesus, we are safe from the wrath of God and only in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. Everybody else perished in the flood narrative, save those in the ark. Everybody else will perish, save those who are in Christ because of God's grace. What a picture of God's covenant mercies. And we want to look at these covenant mercies that give you and me a promise that God will restore us to the fellowship that was lost in the garden where Adam and Eve were perfectly in fellowship with God in paradise, never to die, working the ground, being fruitful in their labors until they decided to rebel. But Jesus says that in me, I will restore one day at my coming that perfect fellowship with God the Father and others of my people, the people of God, And we will have new bodies and we will work the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. And our work will be fun and fruitful and it will be paradise restored. That's the covenant promise. That's the covenant promise. And let's trace that covenant promise through scripture. Take a look on the screen with me of these other uses of the word zakar, remembered. Genesis 19.29 Genesis 19.29 says this, So it was that God destroyed the cities of the valley. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. God remembered Abraham. 
and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. God remembered Abraham. What I love about this narrative here is that in the previous chapter, chapter 18 of Genesis, is where God promised 100-year-old, almost 100-year-old Abraham and 90-some-year-old Sarah a baby. And it was so funny that Sarah laughed because she'd been barren. Here Abraham was given this promise, you'll be the father of many nations. How many children do you have, Abraham? Zero. And, and the Bible tells us in Romans 4, Paul says that Abraham believed God, and I'll read you the quote, it's not on the screen. He believed God, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. I can relate to that. Sometimes I feel like that, even though I'm only 60 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So in the chapter before, God gave Abraham this promise, this covenant promise. God remembered that covenant promise. And what's happening here in Genesis 19 is that God saves Abraham's nephew, Lot. Now, I could be pushing the application here a little bit. And if I am, please forgive me. But when I read that, it brought great faith to me. Here's the point. God remembering is God being faithful and acting on behalf of his covenant people, according to his covenant promises. And here's a promise that I'm, I'm just pleading to God for. I've got some nephews. I've got some nephews that are living in Sodom and Gomorrah right now. And I love them. I remember when they were born. I was there for two of their births. And I pray to God that he would save them. If you remember, Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Go back and read it. Genesis 18 and 19. So you know what? I believe God intervenes in my history. Will God save them? That's his choice, not mine. But he call, I'm going to intercede like Abraham interceded. I'm going to intercede and I'm going to trust my God. And you may have a nephew or a sister or a brother or a cousin or a parent or a child. God is faithful. He acts on behalf of his covenant people. Another example is Genesis 30, 22. We're taking a walk through redemptive history, stepping on the little stones of that word remembered. Let's, t- let's walk with me. Don't miss the stone because you might, you know, fall into the water. But here we go. No pun intended, right? Flood narrative, fall in the water. Got to wake up, man. Got to wake up. You got to bring it strong here on Sunday mornings. Genesis 30, 22. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. Verse 23. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. Okay, remember where we're at here, right? Jacob, who's the father, his name is changed to Israel. He's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Has two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel can't have babies. She's being mocked. Back then, if you couldn't conceive, that was seen as a curse, as a reproach upon you. And so she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and God remembered Rachel and God takes away her reproach. Now here's an application for you pointing to Christ. My friends, God's covenant promises in Christ takes away your reproach. Not because you've done anything, but because God does it. God enabled Rachel to have a child, Joseph. You know what I love about that? Joseph is one of those Old Testament characters who really points to Jesus. He's a type of Christ. God used Joseph to save Israel, to feed Israel during the famine. Read it for yourself. But here's the point. 
Because God acts on behalf of his covenant people according to his covenant promises. You can trust him and say, Lord, you've taken away my reproach. You've taken my sin. You've taken the curse. You've taken the shame that so many of us live in. Jesus has taken it. And that's good news. That's good news, friends. Next, next example. Exodus 2, 24 to 25. And God heard their groaning and remembered, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So this is now Israel. Many years later, here are the the, the covenant fathers, Abraham, his son Isaac, and Isaac's son Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, the tribes of Israel. They're now enslaved in Egypt, and God remembered this covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Do you... Do you? And he he redeemed them. He brought them out of Egypt. And he brought them into the promised land after 400 years of crying out. Here's here's the application. Do you believe that God sees your situation and God knows? And God will act for your welfare based on his covenant promises. Oh, let this stir you up. When you're standing on the deck of your little ark, your little boat, And you're looking around and it looks dark and desolate and there's chaos and the waters have washed away all that you know and love and you're a little disoriented and you're a little bit out of your place and just hear God say to you, I I remember you. I will act on your behalf in my timing, in my way. It may not be exactly as you want it, but it will always be as he wants it for his glory and your good. That's the application, dear friends. And finally, Hannah. I love this one from Hannah. This is 1 Samuel 1, 19 to 20. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkinah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Because she was barren as well, crying out for a child. And in due time, in due time, church, in due time, church. Oh, listen, in due time, church, in due time. That's, that's the fight, isn't it? In due time. Yeah, read. It could be longer than you would want. Read. It might be a little differently than you want. But in due time, in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Here's the point on the screen. When God remembers, he acts on behalf of his covenant people according to his covenant promises. When God remembers, he acts on behalf of his covenant people according to his covenant promises. God is faithful, and therefore, when he acts, we pray. Point two. Corey shared last week an amazing point that I alluded to earlier. Noah trusted God by building this ark with no rudder, no GPS, no navigational equipment, except for God himself. When God acts on our behalf, then we, we then trust him. We The only way you can trust God is that he acted on your behalf before you trusted him. He then gave you eyes to see what he did for you in Christ. He then gave you faith to repent and believe. And so we stand on this ark because God put us on the ark. Remember, Corey said, God closed the door. I don't know what that looked like. Sanctified imagination. They all get in there. It took quite a while boarding, right? If you've ever been on a cruise, how long it takes to board and all that stuff, right? But who pushed them off? Who closed the door? God's hand closed the door. Corey said last week, he sealed us in. And when God closes the door and seals you in, no one's opening that door but God. So we pray. We pray. And when we pray, we pray according to God's 
faithful covenant promises. What do I mean by that? We pray according to his name, according to his steadfast love, according to his promises, according to his character. I want to teach you how to pray, church. As we move through the summer, as our ark drifts through the waters here in the summer, it will land eventually, trust me, toward the end of August. And then we're going to start a series in Revelation that is designed to encourage us and give us faith to pray. As we look at Jesus walking amongst his church, the sovereign Lord, pray. But I want to put that seed in your heart right now. This is how we pray, church. We pray, we appeal to God according to his covenant promises, according to his character, according to his word, according to his glory. We pray for his name's sake. Well, let's look at some examples. Psalm 23, written by David, the shepherd is now going to appeal to his shepherd. David, who knew what it's like to lead sheep that are helpless and oftentimes clueless. Can you relate? Okay, I can. He was a shepherd. Now listen to his prayer to God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For David's sake? Because David earned it? Because David somehow qualified? No, for his name's sake. Do you see that? That's a key to prayer. How many of us need a shepherd? How many of us are wandering? How many of us are in want and we need someone to provide? How many of us need rest? We want to lie down by green pastures. We're tired of lying down next to the palmetto at rush hour. Can't sleep then. That's a metaphor. Don't try it. He leads me beside still waters. How many of us go out for a little fishing trip and the next thing you know, we're in Hurricane Andrew. How'd we get here? My life has been Hurricane Andrew for the last couple of years. At home with my wife, with my kids, at work. God leads you beside still waters. God is the one who restores your soul. You know, we all get old. Some of us were born old. (laughs) He leads us in paths of righteousness. Oh, we know we need righteousness. We know we need. But he does it for his name's sake. David goes on in Psalm 25, 7. Listen to this. David says this. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, remember me. It doesn't stay that there, but it's, it's understood. Oh, Lord. David cried out to God about his sins. He asked God not to remember him according to his sins, but to remember him according to God's steadfast love. That's that word chesed. God's covenant love. This is that whole covenant that God is speaking of to Noah. His steadfast love. God, when you remember me, remember me, not according to my sins. You see them, God, but you remember me according to your faithfulness, your steadfast love. There I can run to the Lord in prayer the moment after I sin. I don't have to run from God here. What do you, it's our instinct because like Adam, as soon as we sin, we would try to hide. It's like when your little kids try to hide from you, right? Mommy, I'm hiding. Can you see me? Oh no, where's little Albertico? <laughs> And we do that with God. But the moment you sin, run to God and say, remember me according to your steadfast love. I'm aware of my sins. I often, too often, remember myself according to my sins. I even define myself by my sins. But if you're a Christian in Jesus Christ, that's not how God defines you. He remembers you according to his steadfast love. 
That's the point of the Noah flood narrative. Verse 20, verse 11 of Psalm 25. For your name's sake, do you see that? For your name's sake, not for my sake, for your name's sake, Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. For your name's sake, and that name is Jesus Christ. Pardon my guilt, Lord. How utterly outside of us God's mercy lies. When we pray, we are to cry out to God and say, Lord, when you think of me, think of yourself. That's a novel way to pray, right? Because we're so wired to think of ourselves. But say, Lord, when you think of me, think of yourself. Think of your steadfast love, your character, your covenant promises. When you remember me, remember who you are. When you think of my sins, remember that you are good, compassionate, faithful, loving, kind, and forgiving. And God, dear friends, is true to who he is. He's the only one that is true to who he is. In Christ, he forgives our sins. Cry out to him in humble prayer and he will hear you. I love the way Isaiah says it. In Isaiah 43, 25. This is now God speaking in the first person. I. I am he who blots out your transgressions. Why? For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. This is radical, I understand. But it gives you confidence. I'm not asking God for something he doesn't want to do. It's something he's committed to do for those that are his people. Because he's a merciful God and a kind God. Listen, severe judgment. We're going to always be thinking about that. Absolutely. You're outside of Christ. You're outside of the ark. That's it. But severe mercy. Verse 48, 11 of Isaiah, for my own sake, and he repeats it twice, for my own sake, I do it. For how should any name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And then finally, Psalm 109, 21. Psalm 109, 21, here the psalmist cries out to God, but you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf, how? For your name's sake. It's a radical way to pray. Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake. Because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. Friends, God does see us. God will deal kindly with us in Christ for his name's sake. God will restore us. God will lead us as he did Noah on the deck of that ark for his name's sake. Cast yourself upon the mercy of God. This is at the center of our Christian faith. Let us take God at his word, church. That he will act based upon his character, his covenant promises. And let us pray to him. Let us pray with faith and with hope. Here's the appeal, church. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? Is it in the GPS that right now is not working right? You ever had Siri lead you to a dead end? Oh, I guess they didn't map that one out here. (laughs) What are you doing, Siri? (laughs) We got our little play GPS's that don't work. And, and God is saying, trust me, I will lead you like I led Noah in that ark. He landed on the exact spot God wanted him to land and God used him, this is now the sermons to come, to repopulate the earth and recreate the earth. And he's a picture of the greater Noah, Jesus Christ, who gives us a new creation and one day we'll be in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. So remember the past, remember the future. Trust our God, pray to our God, be fully dependent on our God who saves us in Christ from his wrath and he gives us hope. See, some of you right now may be wondering, 
Does God even see me or remember? Imagine Israel, 400 years in in bondage. But God's faithful. He does see you. He will act according to his character and glory and for your ultimate good. I can tell you that he will. Be encouraged, dear Christian. And others of you who are not Christians, you don't even know that you're in desperate need of God's salvation. You need to be saved from the severe wrath of God. It's coming against sin, your sin, the world's sin. And that salvation is only possible through his severe mercy poured out in Christ Jesus our Lord. When God moves, our lives are changed. That's our only hope, church. To bring fruitfulness out of barrenness. To bring hope out of despair. To bring order out of chaos. Just like he did on that chaotic, watery day 150 years into the flood narrative. God is faithful. He will act according to his name. According to his steadfast love. He's promised it in Christ. The spirit seals it in our hearts by his word, dear church. Let us take him at his word. In a moment, I'm going to pray. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. We're we're going to sing after I pray when when he moves. Uh, We're going to be here for prayer. I mean, Desi and I, Corey and Cindy, we'll be here. Look, man, if you don't know Jesus, repent and believe right now. I'm just going to boldly say that to you. Only God can give you that, but I'm going to call you to it. Paul did it all the time when he preached. But if you're a Christian, and you've been looking out on the deck of your ark with despair, and you need some prayer, come to us Turn and come to someone in this church you trust and love and say, would you pray for me while we're singing that song? Let's let ministry flow as the Spirit of God brings God's word to bear in our hearts. Worship team, would you join me up front? Let's pray. Remember us, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your glory and faithfulness to your covenant. For we are your people, Lord. We love you. But we are often dismayed as we scan the horizon of our chaotic lives. We see the judgment around us, the watery graves. We, we know that it's coming, but oh Lord, we wonder, where are we? Where will we head up? Where will we end up? Oh God, have mercy upon us. We are your people for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. Lord, when you move, this is our confession. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. When you move, our lives are changed. Lord, we believe that. Help us believe it more. Thank you, Lord, that you freely poured out on us your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you shine the light into our darkness. Thank you, Lord, that you change our hearts and minds. You fill us with the radiance of Christ. Lord, show us Christ. Encourage us this morning. May ministry flow as we continue to worship you now in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you quietly stand to your feet and let us sing, When You Move.